Pastor Chris's podcast. So I, uh, I like to wear this cross on Sunday mornings. You might probably see me wear it before. I got it at a special retreat called the Walk to Emmaus, which is uh, I, when I first heard about it, my friend said he wanted to, I had heard about it and I thought maybe I ought to do that sometime. And then my friend said that he wanted me to go was going to sponsor me. And I thought it was like this hiking trip or something because it's the walk to Emmaus. And I found out that that's not the case at all. It's not a, it's not a walking trip. Um, it's just a spiritual retreat that you go and you really try to grow closer to Christ during that weekend. And, and I did. It was one of the most influential seasons of my life. I was only 22 years old, 1996. Before I was a preacher, still in college, trying to figure out what in the world I'm going to do with my life and, and all of that, and uh, went on this retreat and had a huge impact on my life. Um, after going to the retreat, I, I helped serve on different weekends and also served on something that's called Chrysalis, which is for either teenagers or for college students. And since I was young, that was a natural thing for me to be a part of. Learned so much through all of that experience. Unfortunately, right now, all of those retreats, and they have numerous retreats throughout the year, they've all been called off because of COVID, right? We can't do them. You can't gather 100 people into a small conference center and be that close to each other and all of that kind of thing. So we're, we've been disrupted, as so many other things have, like school. And, and Amy was talking about sports and, and people that are so into that haven't been able to be a part of that. How do we find the inspiration that we need in the midst of all this disruption? How do we find encouragement? How do we find just release, you know, to kind of let, let our hair down? Well, it's not hard for me, but uh, for some people to let their hair down in the midst of all this. So that's what I wanted to, to talk about today. Let's read first from Luke chapter 24 and verses 13 through 34. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their face. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened here these last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some of the women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus was alive. Some of our men ran to, out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, 
You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures that the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them and they sat down to eat and he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within, and the, and within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So often when I tell people about the walk to Emmaus, they will think again that it's, it's a hiking trip or a walking trip, but it's not. It's based off of this passage from the Gospel of Luke, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And two disciples are walking down the road toward a town called Emmaus. And as they are walking along, Jesus comes up alongside them, but they don't recognize him. He talks with them and he walks with them and he explains from the Old Testament scriptures how the Messiah would come and had to be crucified and would be buried in the grave. And then the two disciples recognize that Jesus is who is the Messiah. He is not in the grave. He is right. He's alive and he's right there with them. They recognize this as he goes into the house with them on the road and he breaks the bread, shares Holy Communion with them. And one of the two disciples is a man named Cleopas. The, disciple, the other disciple isn't named. If he was one of the 12 disciples, you know, one of the 12 famous ones, surely Luke would have told us what his name was. Um, so I think it's safe for us to say it wasn't Peter or James or John or any of those other 12. Just some unknown, unnamed disciple. And then Cleopas. You see, Jesus had a lot of followers. He had the 12 that we hear about all the time, but then he had others as well that were maybe a little bit on the outer, in the outer circle. But they were followers of Jesus. They were such faithful followers of Jesus that they were there with the other disciples even after their Lord Christ had been crucified. But these two disciples are, are walking along, and I'm so glad that they're just regular people. One of them's not even named. That, that makes me feel good. Because I don't think 2,000 years from now, anybody's going to remember my name either. Not even 100 years from now or even 10 years from now. You know, 10 years from now, some of y'all will be sitting right here and thinking, now who was the pastor when I was, you know, when I was 18 years old like Sarah up in the balcony? Right? You are 18, right? 17. 17. All right. She turns 18 this year. Yeah. But you're not, you know, they're going to be like, who is that guy? So that's, this is my story, right? If, if anybody remembers, they're going to say, oh, it was Cleopas. Oh, or it was that other guy that was with him. I don't even remember his name. But they're walking along the road, and this happened. That's my story. Is that your story? Maybe it is. 
And I had this thought this, as I was preparing for this. Why do we assume that they're men? It doesn't say that, not explicitly. I mean, it never says it. We assume that they're men. And whenever this story's been told over the last 2,000 years, we always assume that they're men. Or when we've written, or, or when artists have painted it, we assume, and they usually you know, depict two men walking down the road. And we do know that one of them was named Cleopas, which we assume, again, is a male name. There was a, a male, a man named Cleopas. It was one of Jesus' followers. And if this is the same guy, then probably it was, he was at least a man. But we assume that the other one wasn't a man. How do we know it wasn't Cleopas' wife? Could have been. How do we know Cleopas was not a, a woman's name? And my name is Chris. Um, my wife's name is Kelly. We went to a party one time and nobody knew us and we introduced ourselves as Kelly and Chris and Kelly. And it just, this is how my mind works. I thought immediately, you know, we should tell everybody that that's Chris and I'm Kelly because nobody would know. Chris and Kelly is, it's like a, you know, it's a name that can go either way, right? And um, etymologists say that Cleopas may be a shortened form of Cleopatra. And as far as I can remember, I think there was a famous woman named Cleopatra. So maybe Cleopas was a woman. We don't know. It says more about us, I think, that we assume that these two disciples were men than, uh, than it says about them. A lot of scholars think that it was really Cleopas and his wife. That makes sense to me. But the truth is, we don't know for sure who they were. We don't know their genders. We do know that they were two followers of Jesus. We do know that they must have been extremely confused, probably frightened. Their master, Jesus, had been arrested and crucified. And as they're walking down the road, I think it was probably, I'm tempted to retranslate this and say they were getting the heck out of Dodge. Because they're thinking, they've arrested Jesus, they've crucified him. Are the soldiers going to knock on our doors next and nail us to a cross and we'll be next? But anyway, it's an important story. And I think it's especially important in dark times like this in which we live. Many are wondering right now, who can we trust? We feel like, you know, the experts have gotten it wrong so much we don't even know if we can trust them. The news media and the things that they say, it just seems so hyped up we don't even know if we can listen to them either. We feel like the world that we know and that we love Maybe it's coming to an end. Will things ever go back to normal? We don't know. So much uncertainty. Many feel like society has changed so much that you no longer fit in. Like the values of the, the people that live around you in the community just don't match with yours anymore. And what do we do? We feel like you just want to go move to a cave and be a hermit and just abandon society altogether. Think about Cleopas and his companion on this road to Emmaus. They were living in dark times too, much darker than our times. While we're arguing about whether we should wear masks or send our kids back to school or get some vaccine, they, are, they know for sure that the government is lying and is not on their side and is literally out to get them. They have arrested 
their leader and killed him. Put him through a mock trial, killed him the very next day. Threw him in a grave, thought it was over. And now here they are walking, getting the heck out of Dodge to get to Emmaus where it might be a little bit safer. And they're sad and they're afraid and they're on edge. And they don't know whether, you know, how far ahead they can plan their lives. And they were amazed because they've heard this story that some of their friends and colleagues have shared that Jesus' body is not in the tomb. And some are saying that he's alive. And you can't blame them for being confused. And I don't think you can even blame them when Jesus walks up beside them and they don't recognize him. We miss things that are obvious all the time, especially when we're really upset. A couple of years ago, I had grown my beard out for the winter months, I guess to keep my face warm, like that really works. But it was a cool excuse not to have to shave for a little while. And I shaved it on Easter morning and got out of the shower and got my coffee. And there was Kelly. She was doing the same and uh, she didn't say anything about it. Came to worship that day and there she was in church and she said, you shaved your beard. I said, I know, I shaved it before we had coffee and you didn't recognize it. She missed it. And I'm not picking on her because I'll pick on myself now too. How many times have I seen her come home and she's been at the hairstylist and she's gotten her hair colored and styled and she comes in the door and like an idiot, I say, what'd you do today? And she's like, you don't notice? We miss stuff. So when Jesus comes up alongside them, they don't recognize him. And we can't blame them. But thankfully, Jesus revealed himself to the two disciples. I love it. And he says, he acted like he was going on. You know, he knew he wasn't going on. He was going in. But Jesus had a sense of humor. I just know he did. And he knew how to get things across. He knew how to work things. And so he acts like he's going on and they invite him, come on in, come on in with us. Okay. He goes on in and he breaks the bread. And as he breaks the bread, they they must have been there at the Last Supper before he was crucified when he shared that last meal with his disciples and he broke the bread. Or at least they'd heard the story. Because when he breaks the bread with them on the road to Emmaus, they immediately see It's Jesus. He's been with us the whole time. Holy communion is a very special sacrament that Christ has given to the church as a sacred way to know His presence with us. It helps open our eyes. As we break the bread, as we drink the juice, we see that Christ is with us. We remember How his love led him to die on the cross for our sins. And we're called to repent of our sins. To return to Christ so that his blood washes us clean. Makes us holy. Holy Communion also reminds us in a special way that Christ is with us and he's strengthening us to face whatever darkness is around us. Jesus is the light of the world. And His Holy Spirit lives inside us when we trust in Him for our salvation and follow Him as Lord. 
And if Jesus is the light of the world and his Holy Spirit lives inside us, then the light of the world lives inside us. And all the darkness that's around us cannot overcome the light. You know something about light? It shines, it's so much more noticeable when the darkness is here. We've got these candles on the altar, but we're, here we are on a beautiful day and the sun is shining through the windows and the lights are bright. And, and sure, you see that they're there. But if you turn off all the light and the sun went down, like we do on Christmas Eve when it's a candlelight service, oh, how beautiful the light is. What a symbol that is for us. If you feel like you're walking through dark times and the light of Christ is in you, it shines so brightly and people notice it. But as special as Holy Communion is, I don't want you to forget this morning. Jesus was walking with the two disciples the whole time. It wasn't just when he broke the bread. He was there. They didn't recognize him, but he was there. And don't you know that if you are a believer, then Jesus is with you the whole time. Not just when you take Holy Communion. We haven't celebrated Communion, I think, in four months since the beginning of March. That's the longest I think I've gone in over two decades without having Holy Communion. Yet Jesus has been with me, and he's been with you that whole time. It's not a, his presence is not the the recognition that he's there. How do you remind yourself all the time that he's there? Now, I don't want to go on talking and talking and talking, but I just want to summarize a few things that, can, that have been helpful for me, that have been helpful for other Christians and can be helpful for you. And a lot of these I know you know, but I want you to just think about them again. Here are some things. Prayer. Honest prayer. I'm not talking about some eloquent prayer that uses fancy words. I'm just talking about when you, when you go to God and you say, God, I mean, you could say something like, God, I don't know who to believe anymore. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what's come of the crazy people in this world. David talked about listening last week. I don't know what to do, God, because people just don't seem like they listen anymore to one another. You can just talk to God about that and know that he hears you. And he will answer and he will guide you. And scripture, we need a word from God. If we ever needed a word from God, it's now. How can we expect to hear a word from God if we can't hear it from his word on these pages? If we need a word, then why don't we open it up and read it? And you can read other stuff too. Read other books too. Just understand that this is the word of God. And those other books may be helpful, but they're not God's word. Although God might speak to you through them sometimes in a different way. But be careful what you read. Think about the source. And don't constantly be filling your mind with trash that you're reading. Because if you're constantly filling yourself with trash, guess what? You're going to be full of trash. Some of the farmers out here might say it a different way. Pray. 
preaching. I came to know Christ because a preacher stood up in the pulpit and had a boldness to say that if you reject Christ, you're going to hell. But if you repent of your sins and turn to him, he will save you, not because you deserve it, but because you need it. And I'm so thankful that you're all here listening to me. It's very humbling to think that I'm the preacher today. But we all need to make that a regular habit because God speaks to us and reminds us that Christ is with us. Music can do that too. Music has always been a, a huge thing in my life. Music, it, it's, it's like what you read though. It's like what you eat. It's okay to have a piece of cake every now and then, right? But don't have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's not healthy. What you listen to, the music you allow into your, your soul, uh, you can indulge yourself sometimes, but listen, make it your habit to spend most of your time allowing God's word to come in through the music that you listen to. Contemplating. You know, when you're out on the beach on vacation or when you're out on the golf course or wherever it is that you go to be in God's creation, what do you think about? Are you thinking about, man, I sliced that and when I swung, that, swung at it and, and, and it went off. Are you thinking about, you know, how wonderful it is to be in God's beautiful creation? When you're out on the beach, are you looking at the wonder of the ocean and how majestic it is? Or are you looking at the pretty girls that are running by barely dressed? <laughs> it's all a matter of what you focus on. And what were these two disciples doing as they walked down the road? They were talking to each other as friends. Do you have a friend that you can talk to? Most of us do. Someone we can talk to. But what do we talk to them about? It's all right to talk about whether the Braves are going to win, you know, or, you know, college football or whatever it is, are they going to be able to play this season? But are you talking about other things, too, that are really, really matter? Because as we talk to one another, guess what? Guess who's walking with us and talking with us? Jesus is right there. And we can recognize his presence with us if we make a point to do it. 